Do you think Tom Cruise thinks he's done promoting the next Mission Impossible when they're done filming? No. There's a press tour. They make a trailer. They do a bunch of ads. He walks red carpets. So your goal when you started out as a researcher was not to get published. That's the 17-yard line. You still got to punch it in the end zone, man, because your goal when you started doing research was to have your audience... I spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious mergers and acquisition specialists around. And now I've decided to take the leap into buying businesses. The real questions are how will I do it? How much of the behind the scenes can we really show? And how can business owners like you maximize their purchase price and build generational wealth? This show is going to give you the answers. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we buy, sell, or merge healthcare businesses and physical therapy practices. I'm Dave Kittle, and this is The Dave Kittle Show. Hey, hey, welcome back to the show. Got my buddy Jimmy McKay on the pod. I don't know if you know him. You probably do because he's got PT Pinecast. I've known, I don't know, Jimmy, I think I've known you for like eight years. PT Pinecast, arguably, I don't know, with the data, probably the largest physical therapy, physiotherapist podcast in the world. I don't know. Maybe. I think it's, it was my mom's favorite. So yeah, I mean, who cares? As long as you get that one. Yeah. Started in 2015 when you still needed to explain to people what a podcast was. And now we've reached the tipping point where now there are actually more people with podcasts than without in the United States. So everybody and their mom has a podcast. But yeah, I was still a student. And I think you were doing tech. We were doing like, we were trying to do, uh, do you remember the name of the of the segment I wanted you to do or the type of episodes? What's happening? What's happening? Because I was like, hey, apps are here. I'm like, and you seem like you're super savvy with apps. I'm like, I'll do, we'll do this quick. Essentially, I wanted to do like a, like a morning TV segment like where they bring an expert on and they walk them through like the the hot toys for christmas that year and here's the toy and blah, blah, blah. i wanted to do that for apps and we did we did a bunch it was like listen what does this thing do is it easy to use how much does it cost is it worth essentially is it worth downloading and then using or not so what i try to get cute what's happening it made sense at the time do it again we should there's more apps now we should do we should bring it back but we do wind up talking about apps and technology and now it's, I mean, they're sort of everywhere. Absolutely. So, um, they're absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what are we, what are we covering today? I mean, I, you help a lot of different organizations and you have helped a lot of organizations. Yeah. I have a practice. We're trying to acquire practices. There's a lot of practice owners and PTs and therapists that watch this show. Not even ex- as close as the numbers that watch and, and consume your show, but regardless, what are we covering today to help them yeah. with clarity or, or help them with their practice? I think communication, whether it's mergers and acquisitions, whether it's getting the attention of potential patients, whether it's hiring, but those are kind of like the three three large problems. Right? I'm not going to say they're the only problems. And you might say mergers and acquisitions, that's a business problem or gaining patients, that's a marketing problem or like high, staffing solutions is a staffing problem. I think they're all communication slash relationships problem. So I would put them under public relations, but no, no, no. Public relations is about spin and narrative and making sure your logo's nice and your colors and your mission statement. But I went to a Catholic university. So I got to learn from a guy in a brown robe with a rope around his waist. And they just speak so eloquently, right? I mean, they're always quoting Bible verses, whatever, whatever, religious or not. It was always, they spoke really well because they spoke a lot. And Brother Basil stood in front of a class full of, you know, journalism and communications students and was like, what's public relations? This is public relations 201. You're in the class. What is it? 
And I'm like, this is a trap. Do not try to answer this question because it's a trick question. So a bunch of my classmates are thrown out. This is what it's spin. It's narrative. It's, you know, blah, blah, blah. and he just stands there in his robe and his rope. And he's just, you know, straight. No, silly children. Public relations is building a relationship with the public. Now, the public doesn't have to just be the public at large, like everybody on the street. It can be the profession of physical therapy. So other clinicians, it can be clinic owners. It is the public. And so that audience or those people can be segmented into different groups. You can segment people, psychographics and demographics. I think a lot of people want to focus on demographics. That's male, 37 years old, you know, white, this educated, this degree lives in this place. Those are all demographics. Psychographics gets a little more interesting because that's where people seek out information. It's what they seek out. And can you launch a podcast about mergers and acquisitions in, phys- in healthcare or physical therapy like Dave has done? And is 100 downloads a big deal? Look at Mr. Beast. He's getting 50 bajillion views. And I would say it's the right, it could be the right 100. You might need the right 10. So we talk about scale on that. Like, so don't get, you know, don't get lost in the scale of things. So I launched, you know, my show came about because I was, I wasn't trying to get downloads. I was trying to get through PT school. But my background was in radio broadcasting. So people were always like patting me in the back. You're so bold, Jimmy. You're so brave. You stepped outside of your comfort zone and interviewed people. And I was like, uh-huh, thank you. I'll take that compliment. Meanwhile, the whole time I'm like, oh, I didn't step out of anything. I took my comfort zone, wrapped it around me like a hamster ball and ran around physical therapy where I was uncomfortable as a student. And I, so I had my binky and my blankie and with a microphone, um, that's what I did. So what are we talking about? I don't know. I could talk about lots of things in communications, but I like to talk about the, the basics. So I just gave a presentation at CSM and I repeated this over and over and over again. And the audience at CSM were researchers. And if you know anything about me, I do not belong in a room full of researchers. I am the sore, sticking out like a sore thumb, except when it comes to communicating. And the phrase that I kept repeating to them was, this is simple, but it's not easy. And I started with, there are six questions that you can ask. That was another thing Brother Basil said once. He was like, how many questions are there, children? And we were like, oh, infinite or whatever. And he's like, no, no, so the kids are six questions. Who, what, where, when, why, and how? Now, there's infinite variations of those, but those are the basic questions. So I have this like simple but not easy sort of steps to go through the questions. And there's a common error that people make. And I look smart because I can spot it, but it's only because I just watch people do it. People will come to me or they'll go online or they'll go in Facebook groups and they'll ask like, how do I do this? Or I want to launch a YouTube channel. Or, I'm going to launch a podcast or I'm going to do a Facebook ad campaign. And they that's how. That's actually how they're looking. They're saying, what do I do? But that's a how. How is execution? But hang on a second. There's another guy who has the most viewed YouTube video. You must have seen the, the most viewed TED Talk of all time, right? Uh, the uh, Say it again. The guy that passed away. No, no. Oh, that might be up there. Uh, Randy Ponch, the last yeah, lecture. Yeah, yeah. That's the West Simon Sinek, start with why. That's, I mean, one the, that's one yeah. of the most watched. It's the, mo- it's the most viewed TED Talk. Sorry. Maybe it's the, most, it's the most yeah. viewed TED Talk, right? So Simon Sinek essentially is in a very basic using a Sharpie on a on a whiteboard. He's essentially just being like, start with why. People really don't care about your mission statement, but they want they want to understand why you do what you do and you connect. So he says start his book is called Start with Why. So people try to get to start with why. But why is hard to get to? It's at the core of something. So it's difficult. So I actually think Simon Sinek is wrong. This is where I get to be edgy, right? This is where I get we, the title of the video on Dave's YouTube might be like, Simon Sinek is wrong. Here's why, right? So I just, I think you have to start with who. And that's the reason I started off by talking about demographics and psychographics. 
Let me get, give you an example of how starting with why doesn't work. You have to start with who. I have a best friend. His name's Brian. Same age as me. We both like baseball. He's a Red Sox fan. I'm a Yankee fan. So we kind of, you know, butt heads there. But we have a lot of similarities, right? I also have my gammy. Gammy turned 97 this year. Hold it for applause. Absolutely. Gammy's crushing it. So I have relationships with both of those people in my life. So those are different who's. Now, what I talk about, how I talk about it, when I talk about it, the four letter, do I use four letter words with Gammy? Not so much. Maybe a little bit with Brian, especially when the Yankees and the Red Sox are playing. So you can see by changing the who, everything after that changes. My relationship and how I communicate with them, where I communicate them, when I communicate with them, what do I communicate with them about? Everything changes. So I think the order of questions is important. I think there's a better way to do it than just jump to how or why. So first is who? That's the first question. Who are you talking to? Somebody comes through the campaign and Dave goes, Jimmy, help me out. I got I to gotta figure out how to get to more clinics or more clinic owners because of mergers and acquisitions. I go, great. So who are we talking to? Clinic owners. Any other information? Just in the Northeast. I don't really care if they're in the, in the Pacific or the Southwest. Doesn't matter. Okay, so clinic owners. Physical therapy clinic owners? Yes. So all this information. Tell me all about this person, right? Who, who, who? Once I figure that out, I say, awesome. Now that I understand who I'm talking to, what are they annoyed by? I want to know, and I simplify this by saying, give me their bads and goods. Bads being barriers, the things they about every day. The things that if they were removed, their life would be 10% better or 10 times better, right? Help me understand. This is where I, I get to sort of play stupid on purpose. I'm like, you tell me, you know your audience better than me. So bads and goods. Here's the fun part. If you get locked up on either making a list, make a list of one and then just do it the reverse of everything else, right? I wish, oh, payment is a bad thing. Okay, so what would good be? Uh, getting paid more. Got it. Okay, bads and goods, right? So understanding who your audience is and what they care about, they hate, they want to become, they want to get to, and the reasons they can't get there. So those are bads and goods. So that's the question, who and now what? Now, I'm going to repeat myself here, Dave. I'm going to ask the question, what again? I'm going to challenge you to say what again. But now I want you to do a self-analysis of what. What does Dave bring to the table? Everything about this. Don't just specify for the audience. I want you to write down everything. Well, Dave brings X number of years. And what do you, what do you like to do? What do you provide? What value add are you? Write all those things down. It's a good exercise. It's a good self-exercise, right? Now, put those two lists next to each other. Their bads and goods and your value benefits. And whenever you see words or phrases that pop up on both lists, put that in the middle of both of those. If you looked at it like a Venn diagram, you got their what and your what in two different circles, but there should be some crossover, right? Wherever those two lists cross over, what's in the middle of that Venn diagram where those two circles crossed, there is your shared why with that particular audience. So for my friend Brian, the who, things that we have in common, Baseball fans love, you know, summer sports, all those things. He loves the Red Sox. That's in his what, but it ain't in my what. So that isn't our shared why at all. And everything that Brian and I have in common doesn't make any sense for me and Gammy. We love the fact that we're in a family together and she's known me since I was born. So it's different, right? So do this. This is an exercise that might, that organizations are like, are we really wasting our time with this? We know our audience. These are the basics. Skip these. If you skip these and you go to how do we communicate, where do we communicate, when do we communicate, you miss the important stuff. So a lot of times the biggest error is they skip to step five, which is how or where or when. Once you understand the shared why between you and an audience, 
communicating gets, that's where you get to interject creativity. There's no right way. But once you understand that shared why, you can have that shared why in a video, shared why in a podcast episode, shared why in an article, shared why in a post on or a meme. And that resonates and draws the audience in. How, where, and when, and producing mass quantities of information or content, it's a little easier because you're not guessing about what or why you are creating that information because that has been answered. And everything you're saying to the audience, like, oh my God, everything that comes out of Dave's mouth is dead on. So he understands me. And Oprah said people wanted to be seen, heard, and understood. And if you put that in a funnel, right, going from top of funnel, widest part of funnel, to narrowest part of funnel, it's no like trust. And to build trust, you need to give value over time, right? Because it doesn't work like this. I'm not married. If you're watching my YouTube channel, there's no ring on this finger, right? Not yet anyway. I'm falling for that trap. But here's how it works, right? Dave, you're married. You meet a girl, you go to get coffee, and you get married, right? Like the next week. Isn't that the way it works? Of course not. No. Everyone laughs at me. <laughs> they laugh at me. Jimmy, so silly. That's why you're not married. You don't get it. And then I go, all right, you're right. But you thought you'd build a relationship with people, your who's, your audience, by sharing one post one time, and they'd click that follow or subscribe, or they'd buy something or sell you their clinic? Are you insane? Both examples are absolutely laughable, but we think that's how that works. But we know how in reality, both of those things work. The rules of relationships are the same online or in mass communications or public relations, whatever you want to call it, as they are in friend relationships or intimate relationships. It is building trust, understanding that that person sees you, hears you, and understands you. So it's about coffee, then dinner, and then a second dinner, and then a movie, and then a weekend away, and then eventually it's meet the parents, and then eventually it's, we're going to do business together. Because that's a big step in someone. Like, you know, you talk to practice owners, someone's going to sell their clinic or merge with you or do any of those things after a cold DM on LinkedIn? Sorry, man. Like, that is an attempt at a quick transactional relationship. And there are quick transactional relationships that exist in society. If you go to Vegas and walk down the strip, you'll be handed pamphlets of people selling three hours of their time in a quick transactional relationship. And it's exactly what it is. But most of the time in healthcare or business, that's not what we're going for. So I think the order of the questions is a really good, it's a good mindset. And they're simple. It's who, what, why, and then how, where, and when will I communicate? So that's, that to me, I call it the seven W's, but to me, there's a proper batting order for those things. If you skip to how you're spinning your wheels, you might not be, you're not sharing a message that resonates with the audience. And that's when, when people do that, that's when they come to me and go, marketing doesn't work, Jimmy. It's communicating, this doesn't work. I'm just going to, I don't know. I'm just going to, I don't know what I'm going to do. That ain't it. So that's my seven W's. And a lot of practice owners will say something like, uh, we need to do Facebook ads and we will just advertise like we are, ABC physical therapy and we uh, we take every insurance and we see all conditions or whatever. And a lot of times they will have, like you said, completely jumped over the who. And if they started with that and each of the posts or each of the ad campaigns or whatever, if there's a game plan ahead of time, like you said, simply just writing out like, what are their fears? What are their challenges? Whatever. And if you just say like, hey, like you mentioned uh, either on this episode or pre-interview or previous episodes, whatever, like your your family member that had a stroke, right? So if, it, yeah. if there was like an ad targeting Jimmy, it would be like, are you a caregiver helping someone through stroke rehab or since they had a stroke, 
right? Got my attention. What? Yeah, I am. Okay. How'd you know? Are you feeling stressed out or is this a challenge for you? Is some of this a burden, whatever? And then maybe my thing is like, it's either stroke rehab or maybe I'm, I have some caregiver course or training or, or some other, you know, allied service or support or a hotline. I don't know, whatever, whatever it is. Something that solves my problem that you have clearly and concisely communicated that you see me, hear me and understand me. Now, before my before my dad had a stroke, that wouldn't have resonated. I would have been like, okay, I would have ignored it, right? Or, 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 you would scroll by it. I would scroll by it. But the minute it resonates, the minute it's important to me, it is the most important thing to me. So, all right, we're going to do choose your own adventure, Dave. We can talk about my Jeep and features and benefits, friends with features. Or we can talk about pesos versus dollars. We'll do both. But which one do you want to do first? The Jeep or pesos versus dollars? Let's go Jeep first. All right. I got a Jeep in the driveway. It's a red Jeep Wrangler, four-door, four-wheel drive, hardtop convertible. This thing is sweet. I love the Jeep, man. Now I'm going to talk about features versus benefits. You just talked about an ad that might be typical to a, a healthcare provider. I am XYZ physical therapy. I have these degrees and certifications. I take these insurances. These are my hours. Those are all facts. They are features. All right. Sounds like I'm getting nitpicky with features versus benefits. Those are the same things. They're not. They're vastly different. And here's why. Facts tell. Benefits sell. Benefits touch emotions. Features give you facts, information. I know we are in healthcare. We want to be very, very serious and straightforward and live in a world of facts. But we are, all of us, big, dumb animals. And we relax, we respond with emotions. So back to my Jeep. Red, four-door, four-wheel drive, hard-dop convertible Jeep Wrangler. Those are all features. Those are not the reasons... I bought the Jeep though. They're not. It might have that might have been what the a good salesperson would not have sold me features. They would have sold me the story. So here are the benefits to my red four-door, four-wheel drive, hardtop convertible Jeep Wrangler. It's red. Jimmy's not subtle. When I pull in a parking lot, Dave, trust me, nobody, everybody knows up there, right? Maybe it's not a, that's not a benefit for you, but then you do not want to buy a red four-door, four-wheel drive, Jeep Wrangler, hardtop convertible. You don't want it. So for me, that part of the story was terribly important, right? So there's the feature, red. Benefit, I get attention. I like I like that. You can tell that about me. Four doors, I never leave a friend behind. Party's always with me, baby. I got enough room. It's got four doors. Okay, what's the benefit of four doors? Lots of people fit in this party wagon, right? Four-wheel drive. Dave, I'm in upstate New York. You ever think a snowstorm keeps me from going to get, uh, you know, the case of beer or some eggs or milk? Absolutely not. Nothing stops me. That's a benefit. The features four wheel drive, right? Hard top convertible. Okay. It's tangible. You can touch it. I can go from covered and secure to wind in my hair in 90 seconds flat, right? It's party wide. So these are similar. The good car salesman sells you benefits all day. A lazy car salesman reads what's on the sticker. So just remember, facts, I can touch features. I can touch them. Harder to touch benefits. So if you were to say something like, are you frustrated about giving care for a loved one? If that person is having that experience, that is an emotional connection. You have my attention. They're not going to buy right now. Remember, but that's going to bring them one step closer. And by saying things like, it's just plain wrong that there's not better support for people caring with loved ones with stroke. We're just spitballing here, right? I like it's just plain wrong statements. Like, I don't understand who... I might not perfectly understand who Dave's trying to communicate with in terms of practice owners. But I would say, to get closer, I'd say, Dave, fill in the blank from your 
from your who's perspective, from your audience perspective. It's just plain wrong that. And then we might do 10 of those on a piece of paper. And I'm like, great. Can you say that in one sentence for each? And you're like, yeah, great. That's your Facebook ad copy. That's the title of your next three YouTube videos. Help me understand how to go from this to not having that problem. And I'll be the path to your door. So I like when I see healthcare providers be upfront and honest, but they get stuck on talking. They they get stuck talking about features way too much. And people are like, okay, that's as the kids would say, cool story, bro. Tell it again. How does that help me? Benefits are very clear to talk about that. So instead of saying you're an OCS, say I've, and don't lie, by the way, I'm I'm not saying embellish at all. Sit down and say, I'm an OCS is a fact. That's a feature. A benefit would be I have the experience of 6,000 hours worth of patient care because I've seen 6,000 people just like you. I can help you go from sideline to starting line. That's a story. Telling you I can you know, increase your return to play by 20% is like, okay, that's cool. But I have to do more math to figure out what the benefit is. Don't make them burn any mental calories. Do the math for them. Spell out the end. So now we'll do pesos versus dollars. So the, the transition is, remember, you don't buy a, a drill, you buy a hole. You're like, I don't buy holes. They don't sell holes at Home Depot or I prefer Lowe's. I just bought a house last year. I actually like Lowe's. Couldn't tell you why. Just feel like it. But people don't buy drills to buy a drill. You buy a drill for buying a hole. I need the hole that the drill provides. That's why I actually do it. Right. So telling me how much torque it has to a guy like me, I'm like, I don't know. Does it do holes? Yes. Does the battery last longer? That's a feature. Yes. Listen, you're going to be able to work all day and never have to go to the basement to charge this thing. That's a benefit. Right. So remember, you're selling the whole, not the drill. PTs and healthcare providers love to talk about facts, features, drills. I want you telling stories about whole. American Airlines doesn't sell seats on an airplane. They sell the beach. Uber doesn't sell a cab. They sell simplicity. They sell a ride to anywhere you want to go at the click of a thumb. So that's features versus benefits. Now, how do I put this in to action? What's the tactic? And here's just one. There's multiple paradigms that you can write good ad copy. And this is simple, but not easy. But the more you do it, easier it gets. And the acronym is PESO. So focus on pesos, but not dollars, right? Focus on pesos first, then you win dollars. And the acronym is PESO. Problem, agitation, solution, outcome. So this is just one way. And you've seen it. When you see this out in the wild now, you're going to be like, oh gosh, they're using PESO. Problem. Right now, you might have a leaky pipe in your wall and not know it. I didn't, I didn't think about that until just now, but okay, yeah, I have a house. Water damage can lead to thousands upon thousands of dollars in repair. Agitation, a little salt in the wound. If you have this, this is the reason it's bad. Solution, pay Jimmy the plumber to come over and I will personally inspect every joint or every pipe in your house. Solution, outcome, to make sure you sleep at night knowing that there's no water leaking in your basement. Outcome. Problem, agitation, solution, outcome. It also puts the story is all about you and one of your bads, one of your worries. This is not fear-mongering. I'm not telling you to focus on inflating a problem that does not exist or creating one that is not real. But I just bought a house two years ago, and trust me, when I hear water at any given moment, I'm like, hang on, where is that coming from? That is a real fear of mine. And if someone said, hey, for $8 a month, we send a guy over and he checks all the pipes every month and you can sleep better at night, that to me is worth something. So problem, agitation, 
solution, outcome. That is PASO, P-A-S-O. That's just a good starting point for anybody can use this. It helps if you go through those seven W's and you understand what your shared why might be between a plumber and a random guy with a new house. It gets real clear and now you can share that message on a Facebook ad, on a, in an email campaign, in a DM, on a billboard, in a skywriting. That how, where, when gets a lot easier when you understand who, what, and why. And there's a lot of people that own houses out there, but not everyone would be as fearful or like the way that you were saying, if you hear water, you're scared, you just bought this new house, whatever. There's other people, they probably hear water and they're like, ah, whatever. Like I've been here for 20, 30 years. I might only be here for another five or 10 years, whatever. Like it's not for everyone. The solution that you're just talking about, that's not even for every homeowner, even though now physical therapists will usually think, oh, well, anyone that owns that home, like this is for everyone. Like anyone that has a spine with, you know, anyone that has back pain ever, like this ad campaign would be for everyone. So just because everyone owns a home in that example does not mean that that offers for them. It's for people like you, Jimmy, who have a new home. You want it to last a long time. You are, you want to catch any of these problems early before they become bigger problems. And that's like a subset of homeowners. That is a subset of, of, of everyone, right? When you buy a new house, when you change your address, you get a bunch of mailers. The U.S. Postal Service tips businesses off and they send you things like lawn care brochure. Like all of a sudden, you get all this stuff your first month. That ain't by accident because those companies, well, first of all, the U.S. Postal Service had to be like, hey, by the way, when someone changes their address or you know whatever, we're going to give you the list of emails. And that if you they sell it, they sell it. Correct. They sell that list. And so if you are XYZ lawn care service, you understand success is binary. Either I'm cutting your grass or someone else is cutting your grass or you're cutting your grass. And that is a loss for me. So they're like, I need to be in your mailbox the first week you get that house. Hey, by the way, cutting your grass is a pain in the ass, right? Yeah. You get grass clippings all over you, agitation, grass clippings, and maybe cut your finger off. You can't count to 10 anymore. What if you just paid us 200 bucks a month and you never think about that again and you have the coolest looking lawn in the neighborhood? Problem, agitation, solution, outcome. That message needs to be to the right person at the right time in the right place, though. Different message later on. So maybe the, in the plumbing example, that mailer shows up when someone buys when buys their first house. Hey, do you know that water damage is a thing? You're like, no, it's one more thing I got to worry about. Yeah, I pay eight bucks a month. It's not. Because it could cause you thousands of dollars in damage. Or you just pay us eight bucks and never worry about it. So I want I want PTs to communicate benefits of what they're doing, right? This is like sell lifting up your grandkids, not being able to do a five times sit to stand better. That doesn't matter, but that's a feature. That's a fact. But tell me what happened. What am I gonna do after it? Tell me the story. And that's where I think like that S word sell gets a bad rap. So I'm like, don't sell, educate, or tell them a story that you honestly believe. You can help them become. Well, which story do I tell to everybody? Well, I tell the grandkids story. Does your patient have grandchildren? No. Don't tell that story. Do they want to go to Europe but can't because they can't walk for it? Tell that story, right? And be honest about it. Those are the best stories. So this is one of those things where people keep saying, PTA as a profession needs an ad campaign to tell everybody. I go, there's no ad campaign for the entire profession. Now, what you can do is turn 300,000 physical therapists to really great communicators and then PT as a profession wouldn't need an ad campaign because you are the ad campaign. You're it, baby. We don't really provide a product. We provide a service. And that's intangible. 
You got to tell us it's easier to sell a product, right? Because it's tangible. It's easier to sell a Jeep Wrangler in the driveway. Service is harder because it's intangible. That's where the story has to come in. Make the intangible tangible in their mind, visible in their mind. And you got a better chance at getting those people to want to partner with you. Mm, love it. Pretty simple. Simple, not easy. See, you're picking up on it. Simple, not easy. Yeah, my my presentation at CSM, I changed the who. That was for researchers. So I started off by saying, I got good news, bad news, and more bad news. Oh, crap. Which uh, one? I think I went bad, good, bad. So I went bad news. Uh, no one cares about your research. Good news, you can make them care, though. More bad news, you're going to have to do some work. So essentially, like you, you publish research and you think you're done as a researcher. Because I paid attention to my audience before I gave the presentation. Oh, you think you're done when you get published. Do you think Tom Cruise thinks he's done promoting the next Mission Impossible when they're done filming? No. There's a press tour. They make a trailer. They do a bunch of ads. He walks red carpets. So your goal when you started out as a researcher was not to get published. That's the 17-yard line. You still got to punch it in the end zone, man, because your goal when you started doing research was to have your audience achieve understanding. They don't have to necessarily agree with everything that you say, but you want them to understand it. Then they make their own decision. Researchers stop at the 17-yard line for some reason because they think, well, because they're incentivized to get published, then run back to the 20-yard line and receive another kick, get the ball again, and keep going back to the 17-yard line over and over and over again. And now we are confused why we have a 17-year gap between publish and practice. And I'm like, it's real clear from my point of view. You think you're done communicating it once you've published one time in a journal that most people outside of academia can't access for less than a couple hundred bucks. I'm here to tell you there's no one cares about your research. There's a chance they might, but you got to do the work. So my whole presentation was here's 20 ways you can communicate your research in less than 20 minutes for less than 20 bucks. Knowing that I gave the talk to 100 researchers, knowing that 20 might do it once, 10 might do it more than, you know, more than once, but that's a scale game. Yeah, but are, are they even incentivized to... That's the problem. Do they have any internal uh, incentive or do they get any financial compensation yeah. to get it into a clinic or into a mobile practice like us or whatever? And then if so... Mm-hmm. They don't even get anything from that because we get like the treatment benefits our patients. And what do they get out of it? Other than maybe some of them want accolades and, you know, we, we, you know, you and I tag them on LinkedIn and say, I I use this research article protocol or whatever with uh, some of these patients. And here's a patient testimonial, whatever. Maybe that strokes their ego a bit, but that doesn't pay the bills. Right. So I said, the next time you write your grant proposal, because if I want $100,000 to study low back pain and I'm going to whatever foundation to get the grant, I've got to say what I'm going to do. You got to spell it out and be very specific, right? I say, bake the sugar, bake the communication into the cake. Say 10% of our money is going to go towards hiring a science communicator part-time to when we're done, communicate the research. I did this at Mount Sinai, right? Where else can a communicator help you? Well, if you don't get 100 participants, your study is less powerful, right? So getting people to show up to do research, that's public relations too. So I was involved in the beginning of some research studies, getting people to come in. So we ran Facebook ads or did webinars for the benefit of our potential audience, knowing that the call to action, the thing we wanted them to do was not buy now, it was join this study or take part in the study. And in the end, our audience shifts from the public to other clinicians when the research comes out. But finding an aftermarket 
spoiler for your Mazda Miata slapping communication on at the end looks like you slapped communication on at the end. It's better when you bake into the cake, but you're right. I came to the, I came to the um, researchers sort of defense. I'm like, you're right. You're not, this system is not incentivized. So when someone says, I can't believe it's 17 years from published to practice, I'm like, I can hundred percent believe it. Looking at from my point of view, you stop communicating it as soon as you're published, but you're also not incentivized to go the, I use a football analogy. The researchers take a knee on the 17 yard line because there's 17 years from published uh, practice. You're not incentivized to go any further in the red zone. You think that that's the, uh, that's the goal line. It's not. We know this, but you're like, well, someone else probably does it. I got more bad news. No one else is going to do it. You're it. So that's another communication game. It's another, it's, it's two tin cans in a string because we're all big, dumb animals. And there has been over the years, like different like journal clubs and it could be yeah. you know, therapist only. I, I've even heard back when I was in school in Philadelphia, um, there was at 3B uh, orthopedics, there was like a journal club and it was like literally it was like physicians, PAs and physical therapists and maybe some ATCs or whatever. Now, in that circle, it's like obviously the PTs are incentivized to like go there, meet the physicians. Obviously, they get re- like they get referrals, they get relationships, they benefit. The researchers don't. So maybe some of that research has to or or could be funded partially by some of these larger practices on the front end and because they benefit from it on the back end and maybe yeah. it kind of help connect the researcher and and the you know the end game of like some of the financial components about right. who benefits financially from it and that might spur more of it I don't right. know more ideas more sharing more more accelerated research and maybe even the accelerated implementation or executing of that research into practice with patients tomorrow or next quarter, as opposed to 17 years from now. And that's about aligning values. So I would be remiss to say, yeah, I agree with all that. I am a trustee on the board of directors for the Foundation for Physical Therapy Research, where I'm in everyone's year. They're all talking about the research. Right, all the super super smart research people on the on the foundation for physical therapy. They're talking about research and fundraising. I'm talking about communicating because I think you can get more researchers to want to do research if you communicate with them. And I think you can get more money for research if you put it to a clinic who can benefit from the research, what they get out of it. That is features versus benefits. Right on. So the answer yes and yes. Right on. I didn't know we were gonna go that far into research, but uh yeah, it makes sense. It's the same thing when the who changes, everything after it changes, but it's still the same seven questions in that order. It's still two tin cans with a string between it. You know, how I do most of my communicating is a podcast, right? That's just a podcast. That's just how I do what I do. But each episode is a little bit different. It's a different why because there's a different who. There's a different guest with me. So then everything after that sort of changes. Simple, not easy. Hmm. Any recap, any final last thoughts on that? No one's going to do it for you. No one's going to do it as good as you. No one's going to know you or your or your business or your research. Insert whatever you is. No one's going to, uh, as well as you, there is a giant resource that I would suggest people use. This is a great, powerful website. If you don't know how to do something, you go to this website, write this down. G-O-O-G-L-E. It's Google. It's out there. I'm telling you the distance between you and your potential audience is the thickness on uh, the glass of your smartphone. And if you don't know how to do something, somebody probably recorded a walkthrough video. Dave probably has that question answered in detail with links. 
you have uh, an excuse is a, a an excuse is a problem you have decided not to solve is a great quote from my friend Megan Brown. So if you're like, I just don't know how to do that. I got to wait till I can hire someone to do that. Go do it poorly. How do I do it poorly? Just go learn from someone else who did it. Try it once and do it. It's out there. This is an effort game. Oh, and we I didn't even cover it or mention it, but so practice owners watching, listening, we talked a little bit about marketing. We talked a little bit about new patients. Same thing for recruiting. There's a, to- a ton of practice owners saying, where are these PTs? They're leaving the profession. It's hard to hire therapists. You know, I just hired a full-time therapist on December 26th, and today is his 60th day. Yeah. So that's still fairly fresh. They're out there. Now, did I also go through other candidates and interview and have in-person interviews with them where they evaluated me so I could check their manual therapy skills and their evaluation skills? Yeah. I did a lot of that through 2023. I had some that, you know, came and worked for us for a couple of weeks, couple of months, like part-time, whatever. So I understand I'm there. I get it. And I'm no, you know, consummate professional at this, but I need to continue to listen to what this episode, what Jimmy's saying, what you're saying about communicating and finding those, the right fit. Cause it's out there, but yeah, you gotta, you gotta do things differently and not jump to how, how, like you said is, uh, we need indeed ads. We need LinkedIn ads. We need, we need to post hashtag hiring on right. LinkedIn and Facebook. And yes, you need to ask your current therapist, like who would they recommend? Who did they go to PT school with colleagues, whatever to potentially get in your recruiting funnel. You got to do all that. But at the same time, there's probably a way to optimize your job board, your, your job description, whatever, in terms of who and not jumping to the how of like, we just, we just need to put these job boards out there. I'll give you a good, a good, a piece of good news though. Most people who are not listening to this right now are never going to do this. So you are now, you get to surf on the sea of sameness. Most people are going to continue to just copy paste the same Indeed ads and maybe just throw some more money at it. Maybe they'll put a different graphic on it, but they're not changing the benefits. They're not changing the emotion attached to what work spending time and paying attention to your ad would do. So the best part about it is most people aren't going to do any of this. So you doing even 10% of this, even you doing a light lift and change, you are going to stand out by a lot. That's the fun part. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, it's a it's a subtle reminder. It's a good reminder. But yeah, not everyone's going to take action and do it. they're going to just continue to do the same Facebook ads and say Facebook ads don't work or yep. they're going to do the LinkedIn and Indeed ads and say LinkedIn and Indeed doesn't work. Yeah. Don't be upset with the results you didn't get from the work you didn't do. I'm very sorry. But my, you know, I do consulting and I tell people all the time in a nice way. I try to be nice, but I try to be upfront. My response or my solutions that I have given you to your problem are not changing because of your of your refusal to act on them. You pay me to tell you what I think and what I think you should do in this situation. But I make suggestions. You make decisions. But don't be upset with the results you don't get from the work you do not do. Mm, perfect place to pause. Mic drop check right out, there. Yeah, check out uh, PT Pinecast <laughs> on all podcast players, including now YouTube growing dramatically yeah, on YouTube on the video side. As a former radio guy, it was it took a lot. It took our mutual friend, Tony Maritato, and my buddy who's a videographer in my ear going, just do it. It's the second largest search engine. So I had to take my own advice, which is I was insecure about video coming from radio. And I was like, I don't know, our interviews, do they care? And then I started looking and I was like, yeah, I'm behind the ball on this. So in the last six months, I've, I've sort of jumped in with both feet 
and I like it. It's awkward at first. I'm not I'm not saying I'm perfect at this at all. I'm not, but it is a fun learning experience. And I know my I know a potential audience is there. So what I do sort of translates with a little bit of different how. A little not just what I used to do. I do it similar but not the same. Um, to do the same thing, which is communicate information, make something under understandable or digestible. Awesome. Perfect place to pause. Check out PT Pinecast, like I said, on YouTube, at PT Pinecast on Instagram, all over social media. We'll catch you next time here on the show. Thank you, guys. Hey, it's Dave Kittle. Are you a healthcare business owner or physical therapy practice owner who is looking to figure out your succession plan or exit strategy? We might be able to help. And in fact, we may be interested in acquiring your practice. If you're interested, you can reach out to me. Shoot me an email at dave at conciergepainrelief.com. That's D-A-V-E at C-O-N-C-I-E-R-G-E, painrelief.com. Or you can call me at any time, 646-781-8884.